Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. From the Acts of the Apostles, the account of the ascension of our Lord, these words. And gathering the apostles together, Jesus commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but rather to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said you heard of from me. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. This is our text, dear friends in Christ. Benjamin Franklin, in his typically simple and yet profound way of saying things, once asked, Dost thou love life? Then he said, Do not squander time, for this is the stuff that life is made of. Do not squander time, for this is the stuff that life is made of. A profound thought, a truth that is so easily and so sinfully, though pushed to us all, as true as it is, is so sinfully pushed by us all to its extreme and to its limit. And we get so caught up in trying to occupy every moment of life that we have with some kind of activity, with doing something. We get so caught up with having to fill our lives with activity that we've forgotten how to simply sit down at times and to, to wait. To sit down at times and wait upon the Lord, just to sit down and see that time for doing nothing, that downtime, as being a blessing unto us. Instead, and especially so, I suppose one could say here in our high-tech and high-cost and high-energy valley, that we're so concerned always about stimulating our lives with something and having to do something, energizing us, pushing us from one thing to another rather than seeing the value at times of just sitting and doing nothing but thinking and contemplating upon things. Where people who consider that time that exists between one crisis that we have and another, or between one activity and we have as another, as being a downtime, a bad time, a useless time, a wasted time. And how sinful and how wrong it is indeed for us to think that way. There's a time for waiting. There's a time to wait for the Lord to act. There's a time to wait for the Lord to speak. There's a time to wait for the Lord's promises to be fulfilled. As we anticipate events that will take place, waiting times, indeed, they can be hard times, but they also can be very good and very valuable times. And such was the case for the apostles, for the disciples of our Lord in today's text, the situation in which they find themselves they found themselves having to wait. And they weren't too excited about the thought of waiting. Remember what our Lord had done. He had appeared unto them after the time that he was crucified on the cross and then he had risen from the grave. He appeared unto them, Scripture tells us, many times. Indeed, we heard it this morning in the reading. To these chosen apostles, he presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs appearing to them for a period of 40 days, speaking to them the things concerning the kingdom of God. And so after his death and resurrection, our Lord appeared many times unto his disciples, showing them by what he did and what he said that he indeed was who he claimed to be and that he had done what he said he would do. And so now you can see why those disciples, having had those miraculous things happening after his death and crucifixion, why they would be so excited about him coming to not only teach them and to encourage them and commissioning them to do what he would have them do, but now they, they're ready. They've got the plan, they said. 
They've got the promise that he had given them. Now let's get at it. Let's get moving. And so on the day of the Lord's ascension, they're eager. And they're asking, Lord, now is this the time? Is this the time, they said, that your kingdom is going to be established here now? This must finally be the time for the next installment of your divine plan to be powerfully engaged. And when you think about it, you can see them biting at the bit, can't you? They're just like horses on the line of the Kentucky Derby, I think, that was held this weekend. They were supposed to be because of storms, maybe it was delayed, I don't know. But like cars on the, the track of Daytona, waiting to rev the engines and press the pedal to the metal, like the runner at a race, it's all set to go, and these disciples are all set to go, and they want to take off. Let's go. Let's get involved, engaged. And our Lord says, no. Absolutely not. Downtime. Wait. It's not for you to know the times and the seasons by which the Father has set by his own authority, he says. Go back to Jerusalem. And go to Jerusalem and wait some more in Jerusalem. Wait for my special outpouring of the Holy Spirit because no matter what you think you could do, you can't do it without the power that I will give through my Holy Spirit. He will enable you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and ultimately even unto the end of the world. No matter how much we might be excited by what God has done and what he does, how foolish it is for us to think for a moment that we have it within ourselves to do what he would have us do. It is only as his spirit gives us that enabling power which he alone does through his word that we hear and his sacraments that we receive that we have that which is needed to do the things that God would have us do. And many times he has us, first of all, sit down and simply wait. I've shown you my presence, he told those disciples in those 40 days after the resurrection. I've shown you my presence. I've given you my promise. Now you're going to have to wait for my power. But Lord, that waiting it can be such a hard thing for us disciples. Ask any of us in life who have had to wait it's not easy. We don't enjoy waiting. It's not easy for us sinners to live in those down times when we have to wait for God to act in the way that we hope and pray that he will. The time, for example, between one job and hopefully another when the bills keep on coming, though the paycheck isn't coming as consistently as the bill, that's a down time. It's a hard time. It's a wait time. But the time between the time that a son or a daughter goes off to war in Iraq or Afghanistan, and the time that they come home again safely, securely, a downtime. It's a hard time. One of those wait times where we can do nothing but depend upon the Lord. Or the time between the time that we have a medical test that's been taken, and we wait for the result of that medical test to be given, the diagnosis, and the prognosis. That's a hard time. It's a downtime as we wait to find out what the Lord has in store for us. The time between the time that we lose someone that we love in death or to someone else and the time then that we finally adjust to the difference in life as best as we can to life here without them can be a hard time, downtime. Those downtimes are hard, hard times especially for us 
impatient sinners who are used to going from one activity to the next without any kind of a break and reprieve at all. But you know something? Those down times can really be good times for us as well. God has promised that everything must work together for good. And he says that also these in-between times that are sandwiched between times of crisis or times of activity. These are good times, he says to you. Wait, I'm going to do my work in these times as well. They're good for us as a pause time in life that refreshes us. They're good for us as the pause in life that requires us to reconsider where we've been in life, where we're at in life, where we're going in life, and gives us the time to think about where we've been, where we're at, where we're going. That's a good time. Good for us is that pause in life that gives us the time to gain the strength that we'll need to face some obstacle that's over the hill or around the corner or some crisis that we don't even know about, but the Lord does. And he's giving us that downtime in order that we might be strengthened in that downtime and be prepared for that which is to come. Good for us. That God graciously gives us that downtime that allows us to prepare for that which is coming. In fact, without that downtime that God also ordains for us, you know what we'd likely do? We'd likely break down or we'd jam up or we'd explode because we'd be going sinfully far beyond what God ever intended for us creatures to do. A bit of trivia for you trivia files out there. This month is the 290th anniversary of what weapon of war that was invented by a London lawyer named James Puckle, P-U-C-K-L-E, and it was patented on May 15th of 1718. What weapon of war? It's a machine gun. If you thought the machine gun, you're absolutely right. Surprised me, I didn't know it was that old. But Puckle called it simply, he gave it a name and he called it the defense gun spelling it in English, D-E-F-E-N-C-E, the defense gun. And then on the patent, which you can see online, that Puckle has of the picture of the gun, and right above the picture of the gun that's drawn out in hand, there's a little rhyme that Puckle wrote about the machine gun. He says, quote, and remember he's an Englishman who is writing this now, who invented it in London, a lawyer. He says, quote, Defending King George, your country and laws, is defending yourselves and our Protestant cause. You have to love those British for their zeal, but they never did get the separation of church and state thing right. And he certainly didn't either. I was surprised to learn, as I said, that the machine gun was invented that long ago, but of course you know one of the first problems that the machine gun had is that after it was fired, because it fired so rapidly and so quickly, it was so hot, but there had to be a downtime for it. There had to be a wait time, a time during which the operator would feel obviously very vulnerable. But he had to wait before he could fire it again, lest the thing explode on him and blow up. It's much like us. It needs to be that downtime. God knows far better than we know our need for those periods in our lives. Those times during which we're changed, perhaps, in some way that prepares us for the future or that we're charged or that we're refreshed or that we're renewed by his word and by his sacraments. Lest we would, depending on our own power and our own strength and our own wisdom and might, 
unless we would be jammed up or we'd explode. The disciples had to do that today. And that's good for them, it's good for us. In fact, sometimes those downtimes are intended to help us gradually let go of things we've been too attached to. Those things below that are far more easy for us to cling to than those things that are above. And yet, what is it? One of the great epistle lessons for Ascension Day tells us, it says, set your minds on things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That's your destiny. That's your destiny and your destination. And so it's good for us in those wait times to be able to reflect again, not only in where we've been and where we're at, but also where we're going. And the downtime helps to remind us that this is our destiny. After all, think about it. You know why that is your destiny and your destination is because the Lord Jesus Christ took his downtime seriously. And he, in that downtime, came down here to earth, if you will, and he took on all that we are in order that we might be where he is, that essential and absolutely essential downtime here on earth that the Lord Jesus took. Remember what St. Paul said of him, though being and existing in the form of God, he didn't consider his equality with God as something that he had to publicly display all the time. But rather, he emptied himself, not making full use of his divine nature. He emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance. As a man, Paul says, he humbled himself and he became obedient unto death, even death upon the cross. Therefore, St. Paul says, what has God done? He's now highly exalted him. That's ascension talk. God is raised him up, he's lifted him up, and God's highly exalted him and bestowed upon him a name that's above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, our Lord Jesus Christ took on this, this downtime of earth that he might have lived for us that perfect life, that we by faith might have that life that he's given us in baptism. We're baptized into his life, and it becomes our life. It becomes our cloak of righteousness to where Christ took on this downtime of earth so that our many sins and all of our great transgressions would be his soiled garments to wear. So that we sinners would have him bearing for us the burden of the cross and the burden of our sins all the way to the cross and through the cross and so that we sinners might forever be made God's precious sons and daughters, God's saints. And then having accomplished everything that the Father sent him to this downtime of earth to do, our Lord is ready then to leave that downtime of earth to again assume the uptime of heaven's glory for me and for you. Even as he had the downtime for us, so the uptime was for us because he takes our humanity. And yet even now, as we sang in the beautiful ascension hymn, is with him in heaven is our assurance of where he is there we shall also be. My friends, mark this promise and mark it well. Because it happened to the Lord, it will happen to the Lord's people as well. Where the head is, as we sang in the Ascension hymn, there also the body shall be, and we are his bride, we are his body. 
Because of him, our down times must in due time be transformed into heaven's eternal time, and that time above will be far greater than any of the time you have ever experienced down here below. And that's why it's so absolutely essential that during this particular time that God has placed us in now, we simply wait in faith for the promises of our Lord to be fulfilled, that rather than being weighted down now in this wait time by the things of this world, that we would rather feel that, that upward pull of the promises of God that are linked as inseparably to the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. Consider how effectively the famed Italian artist whose name is Donatello picks up on this, this theme of not being weighted down by the things of the world in one of the famous sculptures that he did on a pulpit over at San Lorenzo Church in Florence. And this sculpture is this beautiful portrayal of the ascension of our Lord. And he captures that very moment when our Lord is just lifting off the ground and he's ascending into heaven, a beautiful sculpture. But what's so beautiful about it really isn't that moment in time so much, but it's, it's the fact that how Donatello portrays the disciples. The gowns of all of the disciples are heavily creased with very heavy, distinct lines. You get a sense that they're being drawn down by some gravitational pull to the earth and to the concerns and to the worry of the earth. Whereas our Lord's gowns in the sculpture are beautifully portrayed as smooth and blowing in the wind and he's ascending into heaven. Sort of portrayed in the same way in your bulletin cover this morning. Notice what the artist has done with the heavy colors of the disciples, the earth tones that are there as though it's holding them down with some kind of a pull, and yet the, the white of our Lord's garments, wisping, ascending into heaven. Beautiful portrayal. And so it is that our Lord, too, would not have us be weighted down by earth's pull. We have a Lord, as the disciples did, as they still do and as we do, we have a Lord through whom we are connected securely to heaven. And that's why in that picture that you've got in your bulletin cover, you see the saints of heaven in the background. And Christ is what connects the two, earth and heaven together. And we have a Lord who is bound and determined that we will be where all of the saints are. And he is bound and determined to connect us as the two. He, he's taken hold of you. Through holy baptism, firm hold of you there in baptism, a Lord who speaks to you week in and week out, week out through his word that you hear, a Lord who despite his visible bodily ascension still is invisibly but still bodily in his true flesh and blood even here with us as in the sacrament we receive his very body and his blood in a way that only at the Last Supper the disciples themselves would. A Lord who simply will not allow himself to be far from his people in any time in any age. And so as required of us by God's will, we will go through. And because of his presence and his strength, we will endure many of earth's really down times. Those times of waiting those times of watching for our Lord to come through for us again and again, to come through with all that he has promised you here in life, the time of death, ultimately there in heaven, 
And you can be sure of this. He will come through for you. He will do it. And that's why we can now confidently say and sing, Oh, to breathe the Spirit's grace. Oh, to see the Father's face. Oh, to feel, finally, the Son's embrace. To feel the Son's embrace. Wait for only a little while, and you will. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.